Hello, and welcome to Linux Action News, episode 260, recorded on September 28th, 2022, from a very sunny Pasadena, California. I'm Chris. And I'm Wes. Hello, Wes. From the footsteps of JPL, let's do the news. This week, the GNU Toolchain Infrastructure Project was established. The project will take advantage of the Linux Foundation's kernel infrastructure team to provide hosting for the GNU tools. Yes, Carlos O'Donnell of Red Hat summed it up in a mailing list post, saying, quote, During the Sourceware infrastructure boff sessions at the GNU Cauldron, the GNU toolchain community, in collaboration with the Linux Foundation and OpenSSF, announced the GNU toolchain infrastructure project, or what everybody likes to call GTI. He went on to say, quote, the collaboration includes a fund for infrastructure and software supply chain security, which will allow us to utilize the respected Linux Foundation IT services that currently host kernel.org and to fund other important projects. And to be fair, it does seem like the kernel team is quite happy with the infrastructure that is provided for kernel.org. Now, to understand this entire situation, you have to realize that for the past two decades, decades, Red Hat has been sponsoring the hosting of the GCC compiler and the related GNU toolchain infrastructure at Sourceware.org. Recently, an application was made to bring Sourceware under the umbrella of the Software Freedom Conservancy, at least for fundraising purposes. But it turns out there was a separate initiative developed in secret. This was all revealed after a rather intense discussion during a GNU Tools Cauldron session at the recent Linux Plumbers Conference. Now, nominally, the session was going to be about some new services that were being worked on for Sourceware. But the presenter, Sourceware overseer Mark Willard, did not end up getting very far into that presentation before being interrupted and reminded of an agreement, evidently made ahead of the session, that the real focus would be on the SFC proposal. At least according to Mark, representatives of the projects that are currently hosted on Sourceware, well, they seem to like the SFC proposal. The Free Software Foundation does as well. Now, we should note, there was some yelling from the audience at this point, and seems to make it clear there is a little disagreement left on that point. This is all sounding bizarre. I mean, it's a technical session with shouting from the audience and secret plans being announced. It's very odd. And at this point, O'Donnell finally revealed the secret alternative plan to the rest of the group, stressing these challenges that were coming for the toolchain community. They're going to require resources beyond what the Software Freedom Conservancy, or the SFC, could provide. Specifically, he talked about cybersecurity requirements that could lead to the exclusion of GNU tools from important projects, at least if its development systems are not seen as being managed in a sufficiently secure manner. Details on exactly what those requirements might be or how they could be met were not provided at the time. Though O'Donnell did note that the toolchain development model it seems to function a lot like the Linux kernels model, so there really could be some value in taking advantage of the infrastructure that the Linux Foundation has already set up to support the kernel. Yeah, no doubt. And I think it's important to note at this stage that these changes do not alter the governance or leadership structure of the GNU projects. This isn't about governance at all. It's really about infrastructure and just offloading the work of managing that infrastructure to someone else. Yeah, and on that point, I mean, from the busy developer perspective, 
I can definitely see the appeal. The problem seems to be the way that GTI was developed, somewhat in secret, and then just surprisingly revealed. It really does seem to have caused some considerable consternation, at least in some elements of the toolchain community. So, you know, regardless of whatever burdens that might be alleviated, however much easier you make it for them, I'm not sure everyone is able to forget the origin of the proposal so easily. And it's just once again one of those things that involves the Linux Foundation that has some good. Obviously, that kernel.org infrastructure has been a good thing for Linux. That management has been solid. But the way it's gone about with these secret plans and how seemingly most of the project was on board with going with the conservancy and then this big change, it it all seems a little unsettling, doesn't it? And I thought Jonathan Colbert from LWN really nailed it when he wrote, quote, the secretive way this project has been handled is a poor example of how to deal with a community. Regardless of what reality may be, GTI looks to a number of people involved like a murky, hostile takeover of an important piece of community infrastructure. It's been quite a while since we last checked in on a mobile Linux effort, so we wanted to catch you up on some work from July through September for Plasma Mobile Gear. Some of these updates are pretty major, and others are just nice to see, like the addition of a Clear All Notifications button and a Do Not Disturb Quick Setting. I consider that a pretty major feature right there. It was great to just see all this work come together. There was work that went into making it possible as well to install Plasma Mobile alongside Plasma Desktop and streamline some of the configurations between them as well. That's that's going to be absolutely essential for developers that are building apps for this. Also great to see some good stuff for podcast listeners. The interface in the podcast app has gotten some nice improvements, including the way the episode page is listed and the information within is listed. Some reworking there that helps with sleep timer functionality, but here's a good one. They've added the possibility to push all local episode states to a Gpodder sync server so you can sync the state of your pods across your multiple Plasma mobile devices. Of course, any mobile operating system needs support for phone calls. And this time around, Plasma Mobile Gear definitely got some improvements there, including improved support for screening incoming calls and some lock screen overlay support for that call screening. Plus, more reliable behavior when you're accepting calls, showing notifications about calls, and importantly, switching call audio modes automatically. They've also introduced a new swipe control to easily answer calls. That all seems like pretty good stuff, but catch this one there, West Payne. They've also introduced some really clever support for call blocking of unknown numbers, and it makes it possible to change the notification logic according to the address book or if a number matches a certain pattern. I'd like to have that on my commercial phone right now. <laughs> just mark everything as spam. <laughs> I mean, sure, this isn't going to replace your daily driver just yet. But thank goodness a team of people are working away at this. Solid progress to report for the Asahi Rust-based Direct Rendering Manager video driver for Linux on that shiny Apple M hardware. Recently, that driver successfully managed to render its very first cube. This is a milestone. 
They reached it this past weekend. Asahi Lina has been working on bringing up this new driver and just recently managed to also get the display working over the HDMI port with the driver as well. And to make things even more exciting, it appears Wayland support is well underway. Tweeting early on the 28th of September, Asahi Lina says KDE isn't starting all the way up just yet, but Wayland, quote, works. Hey, I have that problem on my x86 system sometimes, <laughs> so not so bad. Let's be real, though. It's going to be months, and then it's going to be even more time until it's in the hands of end users. And that's all to say nothing about the fact that Rust support hasn't even landed in the Linux kernel yet. But it will be landing soon, and we'll have more on that in the near future. an important security item for our friends in the Matrix Fediverse this week. Two critical vulnerabilities in end-to-end encryption were found in some of the SDKs which power Element and many other popular clients. These have now been fixed, and thankfully the Matrix team have not seen any evidence of these exploits being used in the wild. To make it even a little better, all the critical vulnerabilities actually require cooperation from a malicious home server in order to be exploited. We should also note that this is not a bug in the protocol, just a bug in some of the SDKs used by a lot of clients. Because of that, not all clients are affected, so go check with yours, but the Matrix team have used this as an opportunity to underscore their ongoing efforts to replace some of these first-generation SDKs with a new, clean, carefully written Rust implementation complete with an independent public audit. But until that glorious future comes, patch clients are available now. Go get those package updates. Linode.com slash LAN. You go there to get $100 in 60-day credit on a new account. And what a great way to support the show, right? Because you're letting them know you heard about it here, but you also get to check out something awesome. And $100, well, that's real money that you can do something with. Linode is fast, reliable cloud hosting. I think they're the best in the business, and they have the best support in the business. Real humans, all day, every day. And really, nobody else has architected their business the way Linode has to make that possible. And Linode's how we run everything we've built in the last few years in the cloud, including that new website of ours, if you haven't checked it out yet, that renders, builds, and is deployed on Linode. You know, they started about 19 years ago, and they've just built a great product. And now... They've got a great reputation, and they're 30 to 50% cheaper than the hyperscalers out there. But that doesn't mean you skimp on the features. Linode today has 11 data centers around the world for you to choose from. But my friends, they are turning it up past 11 in 2023. They are going to introduce 12 new data centers around the world. And I'm happy as a West Coaster, I'm happy to say that Seattle is going to have one of these data centers. But they're literally all over the world. Many places, from Amsterdam, Stockholm, I mean, Paris, just tons of places. Rome, it's going to be a dozen. And then they're also working on a brand new concept called Distributed Sites, where they've identified 50 additional cities where they're going to introduce a new concept where you can get basic computes in difficult-to-reach locations. Linode is always investing in making the service and the product better, the hardware, the support, and the reach. And then on top of that, they have great back-end features, like... S3-compatible object storage, cloud firewall, great backups, Kubernetes support, super fast networking, and so much more. 
So go build something, go learn something, try it out for yourself and support the show. You just go to linode.com slash land to get that $100 in 60 day credit. Kick the tires for yourself. One more time to support the show. Linode.com slash land. Collide.com slash LAN. Collide is endpoint security that uses the most powerful untapped resource in IT, the end users. Yes, that's right. If you're trying to achieve security goals for yourself, for a third-party auditor, for the new boss, I've had to do it for the FDA, for the FCC, for the FBI. Okay, maybe not the FBI, but you get the idea. The conventional wisdom has been to treat every device like it's Fort Knox. Go all in on security with old device management stuff like MDMs that force disruptive agents onto employees' devices, slow them down, and treat privacy as an afterthought, to say it politely. Not to mention, they'll often introduce their own security vulnerabilities. Like, how many times have we seen that? Every single time? (laughs) It's just a tired old way of doing things. And I can tell you from personal experience, it turns IT admins and end users into enemies. It creates security problems. Users don't like it. IT staff always look at it as a compromise. And eventually, it creates a culture of shadow IT. It's awful. Collide does things differently. Instead of forcing changes on its users, Collide sends them security recommendations via Slack. Collide will automatically notify your team when their devices are insecure and give them step-by-step instructions on how to solve the problem. And by reaching out to employees via a friendly Slack DM and educating them about company policies, Collide can help you build a culture in which everyone contributes to security because everyone understands how and why to do it. And for IT admins, Collide provides a single dashboard that lets you monitor the security of your entire fleet, even if they're on a Mac, Windows, or, of course, Linux. (laughs) And you can see at a glance which employees have their disks encrypted, their OS up to date, and a password manager installed, making it easy to prove compliance to yourself, your auditors, your customers, leadership. You get the idea. That's Collide, user-centered, cross-platform, endpoint security for teams that Slack. You can meet your compliance goals by putting users first. Visit collide.com slash land to find out how. You go there, they're going to hook you up with a goodie bag, including a free t-shirt just for trying out a free trial. So, I mean, free t-shirt, y'all. So go to K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash land to sign up. Again, that's collide.com slash land. We're visiting NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory this week to celebrate the incredible achievements of Linux in modern space exploration. So it's rather fitting that the Linux-powered Mars helicopter, Ingenuity, completed its 33rd flight this week. That's just amazing, and currently it's around 96 million miles away from where we sit right now. The little Linux copter originally only had five flights planned. So the fact they hit 33 is just incredible. At the time when they launched this thing, expectations were low. I mean, keep in mind, there's Mars itself. It only has three-eighths Earth's gravity. It also has a much thinner atmosphere, 1.5% of Earth's atmospheric density, 1.5%. Imagine flying in that. And then to make matters worse, Mars only has 43% of the solar radiance. So charging batteries is tricky. And there's just a bunch of other variables on another planet where we've never flown before that made this a big unknown. 
So things started humbly with a little Linux copter. Simple, basic, essential tests were done one bit at a time. During one of the high-speed spin tests back in early April, in fact, there was a problem. They had to shut it down. There was a watchdog service because, of course, this thing's running Linux and they got watchguard services on there. And it noticed there was too long of a delay between the transition between the pre-flight and the flight system. So it called foul and shut everything down. But the team was capable of fixing that from Earth with a very remote software update. After that, really seems like things have been mainly, for the most part, by the numbers with these flights, with the team pushing things a bit further and getting more data and cool pictures every single time. But in the last few months, there's been concern because Mars is in the middle of winter and it gets real cold on Mars. Yes, it does. Overnight temperatures can get as low as negative 124 degrees Fahrenheit, negative 86 Celsius. Winter on Mars also means even less of that limited solar energy you mentioned hitting those cute little solar panels. And that makes it difficult to maintain charge in the batteries. Though, good news, during the day, the panel creates just enough energy to make short hops possible. And that's how... 33 flights later now, amazingly, Linux's role in the future of space exploration is pretty much guaranteed. And this week, JPL's expertise was on call once again for the asteroid-striking DART mission. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Eight, yeah. seven, oh, six, wow. five, four, three, two, one. Oh my gosh. Oh wow. Awaiting visual confirmation. Fantastic. Planetary defense indeed. Dart stands for Double Asteroid Redirection Test. And, well, it seeks to develop a method to protect our beloved Earth in case of a future asteroid impact threat. How does it do it? Well, actually, pretty simply, just by shifting the asteroid's orbit through kinetic impact. Launched back in November 2021, DART is approximately 600 kilograms, and it had to fly... 6.8 million miles away, all to slam into the asteroid Dimorphos, which is just 160 meters across. It's a difficult job, said JPL's Julie Belrose, who leads the DART spacecraft navigation team. She went on to say, quote, It's a big part of what the navigation team is working on. It's getting DART to a 15-kilometer-wide box in space 24 hours before impact. At that point, the mission's final trajectory correction maneuver a.k.a. the firing of thrusters to modify the direction of flight, that'll be executed by mission controllers back here on Earth. But from then on, it was all up to DART. Yeah, the thing flew itself right into the rock. The autonomous navigation system is fascinating, and it's a particular area of interest for Wes and I that we hope to get a little more information about when we visit JPL in the next day. But watching Linux become the dominant operating system of space It's just been fascinating and so encouraging to watch. We're going to keep an eye on this and everything else going on in the world of Linux and all open source. 
So go to linuxactionnews.com slash subscribe for all the ways to get new episodes. And linuxactionnews.com slash contact for ways to keep in touch across our solar system. And if you're looking for some of those behind-the-scene details on our trip down to Pasadena, don't miss lucky number 13 of Office Hours. We have the deets. As for us, well, don't worry. We'll be back next week with our usual take on the latest Linux and open-source news. Thanks for joining us. And that's all the news for this week. <laughs>